And now, a Blaze Media podcast. Sad, sad news uh, breaking as we speak uh, today. Uh, Taco Bell uh, is recalling 2.3 million pounds of beef. 2.3 million pounds of beef are being recalled. Seasoned beef from Taco Bell. Uh, I better be able to get my tacos when I go through the drive-thru. I'm just saying that right now. Uh, a voluntary action involved restaurants in 21 states in the Southeast, Northeast, and Midwest. Uh, I would like to uh, specifically make sure that I have my tacos. It doesn't mention doesn't mention down south, so I think we're okay. Good. Whew. Because uh, the reason that they're recalling it, though, and I'm willing to take a shot, is uh, they found uh, metal shavings uh, in the meat. One customer. Discovered some metal shavings in their food. What? Little metal never hurt anybody. You know, we talk all the time about uh, the app wars. Uh, and, you know, earlier we called it the coming app wars, but they're here. Uh, app wars are here. Yeah, sure. Sure, the real wars are happening, the Turks and the Syrians and the Kurds. But I'm talking about app wars, things that matter to you and I. Right. Uh, now we get news that AMC Theaters is announcing its new on-demand streaming service. AMC, thir- AMC Theaters. They're going to uh, release around 2,000 titles from the biggest studios in Hollywood. They're going to be, you're going to be able to rent or buy them on the chain site. They've got uh, mobile app, Roku, smart TV apps. That's interesting because uh, that's interesting. Is there someone uh, we could call, Ivan? Uh, why wouldn't you be able to just they're – not, they're not, you're not getting the app. You're getting the app, and then you have to rent. Hmm. Interesting. That's interesting, Ivy. So it's going to cost three to six dollars to rent titles, and ten to twenty dollars to buy them. I guess that's average, really. But if they want people to rent them, it should be a tad bit uh, cheaper. Uh, they've got Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal, Sony, and Paramount giving them giving them movies to rent. Amazing. So you've got uh, AMC looking for to get some extra money from you t- as well. Uh, they're not gonna, you're not going to get any new releases, though. They said uh, those will still be available the same time that they're available digitally nationwide. Uh, they will not be available while they are playing in theaters, of course. I mean, AMC is part of the uh, big theater cabal. Um, it says, now here's, this, is, this is where I need to come in. They need to call me. Uh, the talks... Uh, that have tried to uh, open the on-demand window for popular movies uh, prior to the exclusive 90-day theatrical window. Those talks have just stopped. Wow. So I just call me and we'll get those talks going again because we can still work out some kind of deal and be able to. I told you on Pat Unleashed, uh, uh, the Wednesday show of Pat Unleashed, for those of you I know, you know, listening live to the podcast, uh, 1016, uh, 2019, um, that I gave you the idea and, you know, it's a rough draft of an idea for how the big theater and, and movies could work it out so I could, you know, be able to stream the movies at, in my home instead of having to go to the theater. But uh, they don't even want any part of it. The big theater cabal is uh, not having any of it. So you'll be able to rent movies from AMC app if you want to rent or buy movies from there. I mean, there's plenty of places that you can do that. I mean, every every site uh, you're able to rent and purchase movies on. So I'm not sure why that's such a huge deal, except that they figure it's probably cheap to set up and uh, they're looking forward to making a little bit of money. I also read 
You know, I also read that uh, they're looking at uh, ideas now that uh, could pause live radio. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. You know, like we, I can pause live TV all the time with my you know, you have a cable box or a dish or whatever they have. I mean, any any kind of boxes because the the feed is going through that uh, through that box, so I can pause it and and you're good to go. And by the way, speaking of oh oh, speaking of that, why the cable company I have now? If I pause a show. And walk away. Well, who do I have now? I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, if I pause a show and walk away, just pause it and walk away, it will pause for about 30 minutes. I think it's 30 minutes. And then it goes back to live. Uh, no. I still want that paused. I'll come back when I want to. And... If I pause one show, all right, let's say I pause it 45 minutes, it's an hour long show and I pause it 45 minutes in and I walk away and I don't get back in time. It goes back to live, but it grows back to the live show that's on after that show and it won't let me rewind back to the previous show. Are you kidding? Now the cable company I had in Florida, I could do that. I could pause until I could, I could, I could have come to Texas. And then come back to Florida, and that show would still be paused. Why is that not like that here in Texas? Uh, that's uh, that's a problem. That's a problem. I mentioned this earlier today when I was filling in for Pat Gray on Pat Unleashed, but this is an important story and needs to be repeated so that the most amount of people can hear it. Uh, you can feel safe for the next 14 days. Felicity Huffman has put herself into federal prison in Northern California. She's serving her 14-day sentence in prison as we speak. I don't even know if it's that. I don't even know if it's that. I think it, you know it's it's more of a. I mean, because the relief is in. I mean, her crimes. Uh, I mean, she paid money to get her kid in school. Wow, that just, I mean, her life is over. Her life is over. She's got to pay $30,000 fine. She's got to perform 250 hours of community service. And she has to spend 14 days in prison, not jail. Come on. Now, I'm sure that the uh, Northern California prison that she checked herself into, um, the Federal Correctional Institution in Dublin, California, 40 miles east of San Francisco. We got to look that up. We got to look that up. See, hold on. We, I want to see. I bet you that's that's like a that's a white collar crime prison. Got to be a white collar crime prison. I'm still talking. I'm not pausing. People, don't put them on hold. Take them off hold. I'm not. I didn't put them on hold yet. Relax. I got to find out exactly where the prison is. Well, now you can put them on hold because I I thought I had the link and I don't. Put them on. Yeah, put them back. Thanks for holding. Your listenership is very important to us. We care. No, seriously, we care. We're busy trying to find information to better inform you. Please hold. Thank you for holding. Uh, your listenership is so important, and we appreciate your holding. Uh, my name is Jeff, and I'll be helping you today. We appreciate your holding. Uh, yes, it is uh, low security. Uh, I, I don't even think it has fences. Uh, it's, it's just just going through the motions of this is just god-awful dumb. It's just god-awful dumb. I can't believe it. Uh, low security with minimum security prison camp. So it's a federal correctional institution prison camp. Okay. I mean, see that white line? If you pass that white line, I'm going to slap your hand and we're going to we're going to write a strongly worded letter to the guy in charge over here and bring you back. And you're going to sit on that picnic table out in the sun and you're 
That's it. We'll bring you lunch there. You can't eat lunch across that white line. Do they still have like wreck and everything, like regular camp? Yes. Yes, they do. That's ridiculous that this anyway, you can feel safe for the next fourteen days. Okay? Because she'll be in the correctional camp of prison for fourteen days. Holy cow. Just absolutely ridiculous. And we can feel safer because uh, El Chapo's Kim Kardashian, dead. Uh, I know. The 35-year-old Mexican woman, uh, she was she led the assassin, uh, the assassin unit of El Chapo's Sinola cartel, dead. And, you know, they don't know if it was an accident or if it was a cause. I think that's what happened. I do. They didn't find any gun gun holes. I think I think she OD. Uh, remember, she was posting pictures of herself with the pink and gold AK forty sevens and had designer handbags. And she denied. I'm not part of any of that. She denied it all along. Uh, those are lies and slander. Right. Right. Now she was connected to. Uh, El Chino Andrax, who headed the gang before he was arrested. So she ran him off to jail. And I know he better not be staying at uh, the camp in Dublin, California. I'll tell you that. And then she took it over. (whistles) El Chapo, baby. El Chapo was taking care of a little business with this Kim Kardashian. And uh, she was taking care of a little business. If you want someone uh, taken care of, she took care of it. Now, she died according to officials. And you, you know we are getting the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth from officials in Mexico. Uh, she died of pulmonary aspiration. Uh, which occurs when someone inhales foreign objects, such as fluids into her lungs or... Uh... Yeah, you swallow one of those. You, you do pass away with that, too. You can call it pulmonary aspiration, but really it's just a to the mouth. Uh, alcohol and other substances were found in the body. Uh, she And she died of suffocation. Wait. But her official cause of death has not been released. Well, okay. It wasn't immediately clear whether her death was accidental or whether there was foul play involved. I don't know either. What could it have been? I don't know. So anyway, we could feel safer. She's gone. But the good thing is, and the good thing for you know the Sinaloa cartel and uh, El Chapo is that someone else will step up and has already taken over. So don't worry about it. It's fine. Maybe you ought to not feel safe. So it could be could be in trouble. We also have uh, whoa. That's not the story I wanted. They're showing a, oh no, that's sad. A matador. This has nothing to do with the story that I was going to tell you about. But a matador is an intensive care after he was gored by a bull. A lot of people would say, "Uh, good. Uh, What are you doing out there with the bull? (laughs) Uh, Some people would, uh, you know, not be too happy about it. And just when you think you can feel safe, I mean, Felicity is in prison. I mean, sorry, camp. And, uh... (laughs) The uh, Kim Kardashian of uh, the Sinaloa cartel. Sinaloa cartel. Uh, uh, She's dead. She died. She passed away. Sinaloa cartel. She suffocated. She died of asphyxiation with a a bullet. You know, everybody just stops breathing with a bullet. But uh, Asia's El Chapo is missing. So now we have another. We have another El Chapo. T-C-L-O-P. T-S-E-C-H-I-L-O-P. Asia's El Chapo sounds better. Thank you. That's who it is. It's Asia. That's why they call him that. He's just a drug dealer. But, you know, we can't pronounce his name. Call him the Asian El Chapo. Okay, good. People who read those stories. No problem. That's what we're calling him. So he's a, So that's the end of the story right there. Never mind. Because that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. He's just a low-level drug dealer that they're out looking for. He's been selling meth to the Chinese, and now they can't pronounce his name. So we'll just call him the Asian El Chapo. Okay, and everybody reads the story. We're done. How many times? How many times have you found yourself with a pair of handcuffs, 
and no keys, and you think to yourself, yeah, I think I'll just handcuff myself. Oh, what the heck? You know what? The heck? I'll just handcuff myself. Right. It happens all the time, doesn't it? Well, a Wisconsin security guard called police because he couldn't break free from his restraints after handcuffing himself. He was bored. You know, just bored. He's working at a bath and body works in Wisconsin at 2 a.m. I mean, that's boring enough as it is, unless you're bringing in some people at 2 a.m. to help you through your boredom in the back of the old Bath and Body Works. So you're saying these handcuffs had fur on them? It doesn't say, but I believe that they did, yes. Now, he said he put the cuffs on for his own amusement. He was just bored. And then he realized, oh, what did I do with those keys? I left them at home. Oh, no, I don't know what I'd do. So the police showed up, and uh, they finally they uncut they freed him. They opened the handcuffs up, and he said, "Hey, thanks, you know, appreciate it. I'll just hide him over here so I'm not I don't tempt myself again to put the handcuffs on." And uh, apparently, this is why this was not a mistake. I'm sorry. He was uh, taking care of a little business, and uh, he enjoys wearing the handcuffs in the back of the old Bath and Body Works because this uh, reportedly is uh, not the first time the security guard has handcuffed himself without having the key. There's no way he's doing that. Did I do it again? Oh, no. Oh, I'm just so bored in the back of the Bath and Body Works store at 2 a.m. in Wisconsin. I'll just handcuff myself. No way is that true. I'm sorry. It just isn't. Those of you that don't know, October is Bullying Prevention Month. Now, we've talked a little bit about uh, some other anti-bullying campaigns uh, on this program before. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big part of life in our world today. And joining me now is Tracy Heck. Now, Tracy is the author of the uh, Nocturnals series. And along with her, her series of books, The Nocturnals, uh, she also helps with uh, using that to advance the anti-bullying campaign. And everybody knows in this network, no one gets more bullied than Jeff Fisher. That's true. Everybody bullies you from Glenn, Stu, Pat, even the under people here, myself. Everybody bullies you. And that's a bad I'm, thing to do. I'm very happy that you put yourself in the under people. Cause I know, that's my, where I know my place. Do you? Tracy Hecht uh, joins us on uh, Chewing the Fat today. Tracy, how in the world are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm fascinated how you uh, got started using your your Nocturnal series and then bringing that into the anti-bullying campaign and then tied it in with using the zoos as well. I mean, that's genius. Well, I'm not sure it was that calculated. The the Nocturnal books are... um, are middle grade books, so they're chapter books for like third, fourth, fifth graders. Right. And then the early reader books are for a little bit younger segment for kids just learning to read in first and second grade. But, um, you know, they, they deal with these animal protagonists. The, the main characters are a fox, a sugar glider, and a pangolin. And it's sort Man, of their I, adventures of the night. I hate sugar and, gliders. And you do. Oh, man, do I hate sugar <laughs> gliders. They tick me off. What did they do? Those to are the biggest idea? bullies on the planet. Those sugar gliders. <laughs> well, in this case, Jeff, you're oh, right. No. Uh, thank you. Sugar I... glider Bismarck is a, is is not always the best behaved of the bunch. I know. And um, and I will say that um, that you know the the anti bullying the way that it's been picked up for anti bullying is really just because the storylines. They sort of provide both for, you know, families as well as educators and librarians, you know, real world dynamics in the context of fictional characters on, you know, what bullying's like in these different ages. And, you know, for the early reader books, it's much more about, you know, name calling and, and that kind of bullying. And then as you get into the chapter books, it's it's much more significant bullying behavior and, and um 
And I think for kids, you know, being able to read about bullying in a in a story that's fun and silly and playful is a sort of disarming way to engage them in the conversation around something that happens in their life. So, um, how I don't know, I want to say this right now. There's so many times we hear stories about uh, people who have succeeded in life, and they've succeeded in life because they've overcome bullying. Now, I I'm not pro bullying by any means. But I am saying that sometimes it appears that that helps make people stronger. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, where's the line of what's too much, what's not enough? Is any anything worthy? Is I'm probably not making any sense. I'm confusing myself. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, which is that you know, to some degree, bullying exists, and pretty much almost everyone experiences bullying in some form, whether they're the bully or they're being bullied, and. So it's something that's that prolific and so a part of all of our lives and especially all of kids' lives, like, you know, what do you do with it? And I think that the main thing that is what teachers and families and librarians like about the nocturnals is that it really talks about how you empower yourself around that kind of behavior that, you know, you're never going to get someone else to behave or not behave in a certain way, but you can really empower yourself and how you engage with that behavior and what that behavior does to you. And I think that that's a really valuable thing to understand and to be able to do in life, because I think you're right. Like, I think it does exist. And I think people who figure out how to deal with it, you know, oftentimes have really good skills to succeed in life. I do like the idea of uh, including the parents with a lot of this because I feel like a lot of parents uh, grew up in a, an era of get over it and move on. And uh, I don't know that that's the exact way to handle uh, the bullying uh, of today's world. Because, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know a lot of people would say, uh, hey, if you're being bullied online, how about close the computer? But I don't know that it's that simple overall. I don't think it is that simple. And I, I think that bullying in different age groups affects people different ways. So that if you're an adult talking to a 10 year old about being bullied online, it might be really easy for you to say, just shut the computer. And the same way for a 10 year old telling a five year old, if someone calls them a, a dummy or whatever it is, uh, just get over it. I think when you're the age of the person who's actually dealing with it and and that's the realm of your age group, it's much harder. And I think that, you know, look, it, it exists. And so I think rather than say get over it, I think a, a much better way is like, how do you get over it? How do you make this not feel as bad as it does? And that's one of the reasons I think the nocturnals have done has been as significant to, to educators and families in this way is because it really does give real life tools for that. So, uh, in a very fictional, like, playful way, right? And, and so, in your programs, with you know, with, uh, in, you know, incorporating the books and uh, the actual uh, zoos with uh, the children and the parents, uh, what are some of the most important tips that you give to uh, both groups? You know, they're different, and um, and you know, you sort of threw in zoos there too. But you know, a lot I, of what I, I, I'm first of all, I'm a huge fan of zoos. So anything about uh, zoos, I'm going to stick with. I love it. <laughs> well, we had we had really good programs with zoos, and I will say that you know, animals are a really good way to sort of teach in a very visceral way empathy and 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 kindness and and treating things well because you know, most children's instincts, especially around, you know, small, vulnerable animals, is to be really kind and generous to them and to want right. good for them. And so there's a nice connection in, in animals and zoos, and I actually think it, it translates into the storytelling of these nocturnal animals, too. Um, but, um, you know, in terms of, like, what can you do, you know, one of the reasons I think that books are important for this is that it's oftentimes really hard to say what's happening to you personally. You might, you might, it might be harder for you to say what's happening to me at school, but if you're reading about something that's happening, you can talk about it and then maybe even bring it back to you. Um, so I think stories are a really good place to provide a fodder and almost like a, a little bit of a disconnect between yourself and the behavior to be able to have a little bit of conversation around it. I think also you get to see modeling of what works, what doesn't, good behavior, bad behavior, um, how, how it's received. I think that's really valuable, too. And, you know, another thing, especially that I do in the early reader books, is that 
there's this hope or this fantasy that like we're all going to be good all the time and Uh, and the truth is we're not and every one of us has probably said something we wish we hadn't at some point in our life and so the ability to learn how you get yourself out of a dynamic where you are the bully or even where you just do something that you didn't mean to be you know offensive to somebody figuring out how to repair that dynamic is also I think a really important skill because um not everybody is perfect. In fact, everybody is not perfect. <laughs> well, well, for those of us that uh, you know are as close to perfect as you can get, uh, how can I repair? Some, I mean, how can someone repl- repair some of those relationships that you've said something that uh, you may regret uh, now? You know, I mean, look. There's a the the book that comes out this month is for the early readers, so it's um it's both a book that's meant to help children learn to read and also engage them in topics that are relevant to their life. So in the story, it's about a kooky kinkajou, which is a marsupial who has like this big imagination and comes up with all these sort of outlandish things. And one of the characters in the book basically like says, I don't buy it, you know, and you're cuckoo. Yeah. Kooky. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of alliterative wordplay. So there's like, cuckoo kinkachu hullabaloo ballyhoo and all these things that are like also fun in terms of like reading engagement but you know what ends up happening is you end up seeing how bismarck sort of the character who calls karina the kinkachu kooky how he sort of makes good on the fact that like he did say this and in fact she's not that cuckoo she's actually she's kind of fun and i think that um i think that's that's actually a really valuable thing is to be able to sort of see how you can how you can come around, not just with the simple I'm sorry, but in your behavior too. So now that you've got the uh, series going, uh, how, many, how many books are now uh, available in the series? Well, I started with the chapter books, the middle grade books, and I have four of those that are published. And then the early readers we did later because families and, and um, librarians and teachers were telling us that all the little kids were listening. So we did these right. early readers. And now I think we have... I think we have eight of those now. Wow. I just I just finished one. Actually, I feel like you'll really enjoy this one. I just finished one that's called The Best Burp, and it's about a bat See? and this Mark the Sugar Glider who, who have a burp off. And the theme of the book is, you know, what is being your best self? So they're playful and silly, but... but um, and in the case of the early readers, they, they're also educational in the sense that they're meant to be valuable when you're learning to read. And then as they get older, the themes of bullying and bad behavior become more significant because your audience is a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old. I'm fascinated that uh, the uh, common theme through your uh, nocturnals is those bastard sugar gliders. (laughs) I told you from the very beginning, those things (laughs) rub me the wrong way, those sugar gliders. You know, they're they're actually. Um, I think they're sensitivity pets now. Like a dog, you can take onto a plane. You can take a sugar glider on one too. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I mean, who doesn't want to bring their bring their emotional support sugar glider with them, right? I mean, who, well, who doesn't? Who I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why you why you dislike them so much, but <laughs> there's a whole collection of nocturnal animals. If the sugar glider is not for you. So if I, uh, to learn more, obviously you have, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, the new world. So I not only, I don't have to go to the library, I can go to, uh, the internet and I can find some of your stuff. Where would someone go to the internet and find your stuff? I mean, honestly, wherever books are found. So like you said, libraries, bookstores, anywhere you want to buy a book online. And you can also go to nocturnalsworld.com or at nocturnalsworld for Facebook or Instagram. So how are you, uh, how, how is life with the libraries these days? I mean, we hear more and more stories about how they're struggling and now they're, uh, you know, they're trying to, uh, you know, release people from who had owed them in the past so they could come back to the libraries. Are your relationships with them still really good? You know, the, the, for us, it's very unique because, um, you know, young, young kids, uh, sort of let's call it the age group I write for, 5 to 12, they, right. for the most part, still read in paper form. So libraries and bookstores are still really valuable and important parts of that age group's um, access to books. Right. They don't get them online. They don't read them on their Kindle. And, um, and I will say that, you know, public libraries, you know, are at the mercy of, of you know, government, yeah, of government spend. And school libraries 
are at the mercy of, you know, school spend. And you, you are seeing a lot of shrinkage. And, um, and, you know, I think that most people in education think that's a real shame because, you know, having something free, especially something as great as a book, is a valuable thing for a kid. And, um, and you want them to have access to it. So um, is this what prompted the, uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, circle back to the zoos again, but uh, along with, uh, you know, the tie-in with your, your books and the nocturnals, is this since, uh, you know, we're, uh, you know, trying to uh, maybe stretch uh, the knowledge that uh, happens away from the libraries, uh, is that what brought on the idea of, uh, you know, some partnership with some of the zoos? Because I, I, I think that's a great idea. So much fun. I mean, one of the things about taking these books into zoos is that when you're eight or nine or 10 years old, your, your straddle of fiction versus nonfiction is tighter. You're, you don't have to have those things be so far off. I mean, for instance, you have books where your main characters are animals. So yeah. the, the real reason we ended up there is because when kids read the nocturnals, they not everyone hates a sugar glider. They <laughs> like the sugar glider. They love a pangolin. They really like all of these really right. interesting, quirky nocturnal animals that they didn't know about. And they start doing research on them. And they start looking at YouTube videos. And they yeah. start actually understanding, you know, the, the, the science part of the series. That's, that's really a fun part of the series, which informs the character development and the storytelling. And it's a pretty quick connection then to, to take these fictional books into that science-based animal world and do like really great programs that connect both to you know the actual physical of the animal and also the character in the book tracy hecht uh author of uh, the nocturnal series uh the newest one is uh the kooky kinkajou is that what you said that's what we uh, say yeah i'm looking forward i'm going to i, I promise i will read the kooky kinkajou uh, I'm, I'm, well, the, the, the sugar glider in that book, Bismarck, behaves badly. So, you know, it's yeah. going to be right up your alley. That's exactly right. Tracy, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Nocturnalsworld.com. So have you heard of a man by the name of Scotty Bowers? I I have not heard of him. Now, it's sad because he passed away. He was 96 years old. But he was the sexual procurer for Hollywood's closeted stars. Now, he claimed to have been one of Hollywood's most infamous hustlers, and uh, he arranged illicit liaisons with both straight and gay film stars. And he you know, took part in the hijinks himself <laughs> you know what i'm saying you know i'm already here and uh so he passed away a, a couple days ago very sad 96 though i mean he did some distance but he's got there's a documentary about him out scotty and the secret history of hollywood why have i not seen this i am so bad at myself right now why have i not seen this this i will i will watch this as soon as i possibly can i'd say i'll watch it this weekend but we're moving and uh, I got a lot of stuff to do, and uh, I'm figuring I got to pretend like I'm actually doing something. I mean, if there's I, always going to be excuses. If I just say, you guys go ahead, do what you want. I'm going to be in the bedroom. I got some stuff to watch. That might make him a little angry. So I'll help him move. But uh, he said his first encounter, he was pumping gas, just gas this time, in Hollywood. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm pumping gas on Hollywood Boulevard. That's when a well-dressed man drove up in a Lincoln. I couldn't help but notice. He asked if I could help him. I said, this is a full service tank, sir. And that's when it all started for me, down the long road of hooking people up together, taking care of a little Scotty Bauer business. I gotta watch that. I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. I'm a fan of him. I'm now a fan of Scotty Bowers. So <laughs> uh, we're good. I'm hooking up. I mean, no, I can't because he's dead. He's 96. And I don't go that way. So I don't mess with dead people. So although, thanks for clearing anyway, that up. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of Scotty Bowers, though, and uh, procuring, uh, you know. 
hookups. Did you know that a third of Americans, a third of Americans, a third of, a third of Americans think you can get an STD. And if you don't know what an STD is, look it up. From toilet seats. Come on now. A survey of 2,000 sexually active Americans. Are they? Are they? Uh, I would like to revisit this survey. Uh, Examined their sexual health knowledge and found the majority need a crash course on the topic of sexual health. When asked about the ways people can contract an STD, 22% mistakenly believed incidental physical contact was enough, while 24% erroneously thought you could get an STD from sharing a glass of water with someone who's infected. Wait, you can't? But that's not all. That's not all they got wrong, according to this. They were also unable to identify the common diseases. 63% correct. 63%, that's not bad, ident- correctly identified gonorrhea. Are they showing that? Hey, take a look at this. What disease is this? I don't know. Is that shingles? Is it? Ooh, is that some kind of is that kind of eczema? Is some kind of dry skin? Ooh, no, that's gonorrhea. Oh, never mind. Less than half recognized herpes or chlamydia. Forty-two percent. Oh, wow. But I, I, I know I want to know how they did this stupid survey. Take a look at this. What do you think? We just asked some middle schoolers. What do you think? Well, they said, well, (laughs) sexually active Americans. It didn't say what age. Uh, 28% identified uh, uh, CLAP as an STD. It's not. (laughs) The more you know. Thank you. This was commissioned by Let's Get Checked. Conducted by one poll for Sexual Health Awareness Month. Wait, is this Sexual Health Awareness Month? And I'm not celebrating? Well, we're celebrating now, doggone it. Welcome. First, we don't know if it's actually Sexual Awareness Month, but we're just going to go ahead and participate anyway. Yes, it's Sexual Health Awareness Month. So, make sure you're aware of healthy sex this month. And every month, by the way. Like we're just bringing it to light this month. 81% of people, of respondents, uh, believe themselves to be knowledgeable about sexual health. The results really didn't show that. The results of this, uh, this, uh, this test didn't really show that. So, uh, the, according, to the, uh, according to the survey, uh, better education is needed. Thank you. Thank you. I'd be interested to see how much money they got. How much money they? How much money they? They took from. Uh, let's get started. Uh, find this to celebrate. I'm sorry, not to find anything to celebrate Sexual Health Awareness Month. Now this kind of goes to this survey because Hawaiian officials blame online dating for the sudden rise in STDs. So too many people are swiping right. Too many people are swipe, meet and hook. I mean, hook it up. I bet you that reports of chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis have soared in the Aloha State to the highest number in decades. Oh no, all three are near their highest rates. Wait a minute. Now, okay, which is it? It's soared to the highest number in decades, or is it the high? Is it? near the highest rates because you're telling me both i'd like to have you get it straight please and how how high is that is that like from four to five percent are we thinking four to forty percent well we're gonna get to it okay taylor all right you're like chris cruz you just start yapping we're gonna get to it it's in the story you're like keith malinak this morning i'm gonna get to it i hope to god he's not in here calm the hell down i'm getting to it Back to Hawaiian officials blaming online dating to sudden STDs. Uh, We don't know if it's the highest in decades or near the highest in decades, but we do know that health officials said cases of gonorrhea more than doubled in the past 10 years alone, from 611 to 1,496 cases. Ouch. Syphilis infections also spiked 
to 180 cases. Ouch. From just 38 10 years ago. Wow. And holy cow. There were also 7,732 cases of chlamydia last year, jumping from, well, it was 5,972 and 2008. So it didn't go up that much. The spike is uh, due to online dating, which allows people to meet more people. Oh, I hate it when people meet more people, man. People, the people who need people. Uh, you know, don't be swiping right. Online dating is, the, is horrible and bad for you. And you shouldn't be doing it. Come on. So how do you get an STD online? You know, that's a good question. That's a good question, isn't it? That's a good, it's a very good question. I don't think the Hawaiian officials asked themselves that question. They should have. It would have helped them in their answers. I have a feeling that they believe that people are meeting each other after the online meet. So they're seeing each other online. And then they're getting together in person. See, because when you swipe right, she's coming to meet you. Or he. I don't want to judge. I don't, man, I do not want to judge. Plus, now, a third person has died. Legionnaire's disease in North Carolina. I mean, we are starting, things are starting to not look good, man. Uh, officials in North Carolina, a, a They're calling it an outbreak of Legionnaires. In recent week, health officials have confirmed 140 cases among the people who attended the North Carolina Mountain State Fair in Fletcher, North Carolina. Beautiful, beautiful this time of year, by the way. Just drive through the the Smoky Mountains and look at the fall colors. Oh, so beautiful. Uh, They've been diagnosed with Legionnaires disease. Now, 140 people, there's several counties, 94 people have been hospitalized. Now this is where my this is where if I took the survey right now I'd be I'd be part of the dummies. So I'm not sure I'm, I'm pretty sure Oh, here we go. 1 in 10 get sick from legionnaires die. So that's a pretty good odds. That's pretty good odds. If you get it, you're probably going to live. And you want to get that treat. You want to get that treated. You don't want if you stop <laughs> And I feel like I'm getting sick. You probably got uh, legionnaires disease. Oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm just going to take a hauls and I'll be fine. No, get it checked. If it's a possibility, get it checked. One in 10 die. Wow. And if that wasn't enough, scientists have now found the deadly malaria parasite jumped from gorillas to humans. Yes. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I'm excited. You too can get malaria from gorillas now. Yay! Scientists, yay! Thank you. Scientists who uh, resurrected a 50,000-year-old gene sequence have analyzed it to figure out how the world's deadliest malaria parasite jumped from gorillas to humans. Uh, We now know that uh, it did. Thank you. They're understanding the process of how it did. Uh, In the case of the most deadly form of malaria parasite, Plasmodium flasciparum. I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty close. Plasmodium flasciparum. This analysis found that it gained its ability to infect human blood cells from a section of DNA that had transferred from a gorilla parasite. Uh, that's wonderful. Thank you. We were glad to know that. So just stay away. But it's 50,000 years old, so maybe that particular gene is dead. Now maybe we just don't worry about it. And we just, eh. Eh, and we don't worry about it. And we just, we look at the gorillas at the zoo and we say, eh, don't worry about it. Eh, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Just look at the gorilla and see what happens. So I see the ninth annual Streamy Award nominees are out. Uh, saw the hell. I want to see if uh, you know chewing the fat or uh, any of uh, my cohorts here at uh, the Blaze Television Podcast Radio Network are part of the streamy nominees because you know, we've been around uh, even longer than the streamies, so uh, we should be on this. Uh, so, uh, audience choice, uh, creator of the year, uh, nobody from here, uh, show of the year. Let's see, chewing the fat, 
Nope. Uh, overall, action or sci-fi? Nope. Uh, animated. I didn't do anything animated this year, so I'm not going to be on that list. Breakout Creator. Oh, hello, Breakout Creator. I should be on that. Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher. Oh, no. Comedy. Tell me the comedy. Hello. Have you listened to the show? Comedy. Let's see. Chewing the fat. Chewing the fat. Nope. Not on there. Uh, just uh, people. Uh, the comedy is all YouTube. Uh, let me break out creator. I'm not going to get that. Animated. I'm not going to get that. Uh, let's get the show of the year. Show of the year. I should be on. Chewing the fat. Let's see if it's here. YouTube premium. YouTube. 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 Oh, Facebook. And uh, YouTube. Uh, weird. Uh, Breakout Creator. I already went. I'll scroll back. Person here now. Oh, wait a minute. First person presented by GoPro Hero 8 Black. What? No. International Asia Pacific. No, they're not going to give that to me. International Europe, Middle East, and Africa. No, they're not going to give that to me, even though we have listeners all around the world. International Latin America. And for those of you listening uh, all around the world outside of the continental United States of America, hello. Thank you for listening to Chewing the Fat. I love you. I mean that. I mean that. Uh, indie series. No, I didn't do any indie series. Scripted, scripted series. Nope, I don't, I don't script any series. Nope, I don't do that. Unscripted, unscripted series. Chewing the fat. Chewing the fat. Chewing the fat. Nope, not on the list. Unscripted series. YouTube premium, YouTube, YouTube. A Snapchat. Unscripted series. Phone swap, Snapchat. Okay, YouTube. Beauty. Beauty. Now, no one knows beauty and fashion more than me. No one knows beauty and fashion more than me. Let's see if I'm on this list. Jeff Fisher, YouTube, YouTube. You no, know, I'm not on the list. From Chewing the Fat and the Blaze Podcast Network. Dance? I mean, hello. I'm like a feather. You ever seen a feather dance? That's what I'm like. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. No, not there. Fashion. I am fashion. I am. Oh, my gosh. I, 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 I for sure will be nominated on this list of the streamies under fashion. I mean, Jeffy, you're not even wearing pants. YouTube, 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 YouTube. They don't give it to me. I have created fashion on this network. I am fashion. That is, that's a crime. They should shut these streaming awards down. All right, let's check the next, the next category, food. Do they know who I am? I have my face on a piece of steak as my show logo. Chewing the fat food. Got to be under food, right? Okay, let's see. Chewing the fat, chewing the fat, chewing the fat, chewing the fat. Nope, not on there. Streaming awards. Nope. All right, gaming. Nobody's game. We talked gaming just the other day on this very show. I get anything for it? Nope. Health and wellness. I am the picture of health. For some people. I should listen to health and wellness under this. Nope, not under kids and family. I have kids and family. I should be under this shows and uh, YouTube, YouTube, Facebook, YouTube, YouTube lifestyle. I am a lifestyle guru. YouTube, 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 Instagram, YouTube. And my name isn't under it. News is what I do here. News. Anybody from the blaze uh, should be under this particular heading, right? News for the streaming awards. Let's see. Uh, oh, nope. Sorry. Business insider today. Are you kidding me on Facebook? You're giving them a war for streamings. You're not giving the blaze. Any, any of the shows on the pop culture. I am pop culture along with fashion and dance. Should my chewing the fat should be under chewing the fat, chewing the fat. Chewing the fat. No, 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 Science and education. I mean, that's all we do on the shows. Science and education. Do I get a nominee under streamings? No sports. I mean, no one knows sports better than me. Am I under uh, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube? Nope. Uh, technology. We do tech all the time. It's all we talk about on the show. Chewing the fat being nominated under there? No. Social video, live streamer. We live stream once in a while. They're probably not going to make it that. Breakthrough artist. Breakthrough artist? I mean, podca- here we go, podcast. The podcast, the podcast, there we go. I'm going to be nominated here under the podcast, Eddie. Ready? Chewing the fat. Let's go. Let's take a look. We got the H3 podcast. We got Impulsive. We got On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Tiny Meat Gang podcast. Views from David Dorbick and Jason Nash. Chewing the fat with Jeff Fisher. Nope, not on there. What? That's a crime. That ticks me off, actually. <laughs> that makes me mad. That makes me mad. Performance, acting. I acting? 
I've acted on this network. You know how many characters I've been? I should have my own Blaze IMDb page for the characters I've acted on this network. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I should have won at least an Emmy for my portrayal of the fattest man on earth. At least an Emmy. Did I? No. Did I not? We've cre- Was that a portrayal? Yes, it was. Yes, it was, because I'm obviously not the fattest man on earth. Again, the stipulation of on earth. Collaboration. I collaborate every day. I should be on there. No, ensemble cast. No, I won't make that because I hate the cast around here, the whole ensemble cast. Cinematography. I mean, no one shoots better pictures than me. I'm not another. Costume design. I Hello, fashion again. Hello, costume design me. Directing, I just do my own directing, so they're probably not giving it to me for that. Yeah, no, I'm not into there. Editing, yeah, no, that's visual and special effects. Uh, hello, I'm writing, writing. I mean, that's all I not do. Social good, company or brand. Hello, Should not under that either. Creator, I mean, nonprofit or NGO. No, I'm not a nonprofit yet. Although, if you want to send me money, I promise it'll. I'll, I promise I'll use it for good. Uh, brand engagement. Hello, that should be me. And I don't even get under the honorable mentions. Branded content series. Okay, here we go. This is where we, branded content series. Here we go. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be chewing the fat under branded. Nope. Under honorable mentions under that. Nope. Branded content video. That's that's you know if we had video we would win. Emerging platform. Honorable mentions. I think that Influ- influencer campaign. Yes, I'm an influencer. I mean, I think I am, but nobody's actually given me the title of influencer. They gave my wife a title of influencer though for uh, Halio. Uh, so if you you know if you want to get the leggings, workout tops, stuff like that, uh, she's an influencer for them. The Halio, they just released their fall set. She's an influencer. I give her a little love. This is not a paid endorsement, but uh, she's an influencer for them. So she could be, she could be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's gonna rake it in. That's gonna rake it in for. Her. But uh, and they've got some big event going on down in San Antonio this weekend too. Go check it out if you're listening live on ten sixteen uh, two thousand and nineteen. They've got a. Big event going on in San Antonio. Look it up. Go to their website, haleolifestyle.com. Haleo.com. Uh, yeah, that's what that's 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 what they go. Back to the streaming awards. Influence oh, that's where we got that's where we went to Haleo and the influencer campaign. We want to go back to that. Social good campaign. Social good campaign. That's all we do is warn people about social problems that they could have on the show. Social good campaign. That should be chewing the fat. No, not there. And that's it. Not one chewing the fat is up for a streamy. Man, if I was a drinker, you're you're not. If I was a drinker of alcohol, yeah, you know, if I was a drinker of uh, of alcohol, I would subscribe to this podcast, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. I'd be a subscriber. I would be. I would go to the podcast platform of my choice: iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Whatever was my choice, depending on what I felt like when I was drunk at the bar. And I would subscribe to Chewing the Fat, you know, if I was a drinker of alcohol. So, and you know what? Even if I wasn't a drinker, like, I, like I'm like i not a drinker of alcohol, was, you know, Coke Zeros and water. And uh, I would subscribe to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. And if I subscribed on iTunes or, you know, anything, any Apple product, I would rate and review this. I would rate it. I would rate it uh, best podcast ever, and I would review it as uh, twenty stars. Uh, that's what I would do, you know, if I were you. 